Please turn in your Bibles to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13, that can be found on page 121 if you're using the the black Bibles provided. The title of the message today is Faith in the Promises of God. Faith in the Promises of God. Today from the Bible, we will see a man named Caleb who is a great example of someone who who had faith in the promises of God, which simply means he believed God's word. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about faith in the promises of God. It's someone who believes God's word. God had revealed to Caleb and the Israelites who he was, who God was, and what he would do. And Caleb took God at his word. He had faith in the promises of God which resulted in him enjoying his inheritance from God. And so I pray as we look at the text today as it's proclaimed, I pray that the Lord would work through the preaching of his word to increase our faith in the promises of God that we too may enjoy and experience greater enjoyment of the inheritance that is ours through Jesus Christ. Namely, the blessings of our salvation and the blessings of our relationship with God. That's, what, that's where we're going today, is that we would, God would increase our faith in his word that we may enjoy him more. So our main text is going to be Joshua chapter 14, but I first wanted us to read the background incident to which Joshua 14 refers. So I'd ask you to stand, please, once again in honor of God's word. And let's just read this account. You can follow along as I read, beginning in Numbers 13, verse 21. This is when the Israelites that have been rescued from Egypt are right on the edge of the promised land. And Moses sends out spies into the land. Verse 21, So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin to Rehob near Lebamoth. They went up into the Negev and came to Hebron, Ahamon, Sheashai, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, who were there. Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. And they came to the valley of Eshkol and cut down from there a branch with a single cluster of grapes. And they carried it on a pole between two of them. They also brought some pomegranates and figs. That place was called the valley of Eshkol because of the cluster that the people of Israel cut down from there. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. 
So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone to spy it out, it is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who came from the Nephilim. And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night. And all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole congregation said to them, Would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or that we had died in this wilderness. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become a prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to one another, Let us choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the people of Israel. And Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes and said to all the congregation of the people of Israel, The land which we pass through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not fear the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Then all the congregations said to stone them with stones. But the glory of the Lord appeared at the tent of meeting to all the people of Israel. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will this people despise me? And how long will they not believe in me in spite of all the signs that I have done among them? I will strike them with the pestilence and disinherit them. And I will make of you a nation greater and mightier than they. But Moses said to the Lord, Then the Egyptians will hear of it, for you brought up this people in your might from among them, and they will tell the inhabitants of this land, They have heard that you, O Lord, are in the midst of this people. For you, O Lord, are seen face to face, and your cloud stands over them, and you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and in a pillar of fire by night. Now if you kill this people as one man, then the nations who have heard your fame will say, It is because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land that he swore to give to them that he has killed them in the wilderness. And now please, let the power of the Lord be great as you have promised, saying, The Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation. Please, pardon the iniquity of this people according to the greatness of your steadfast love, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt until now. Then the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. But truly, as I live and as all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord, none of the men who have seen my glory and my signs that I did in Egypt and in the wilderness and yet have put me to the test these ten times and have not obeyed my voice shall see the land that I swore to give to their fathers. And none of those who despise me shall see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit and has followed me fully, I will bring into the land into which he went, and his descendants shall possess it. Now, since the Amalekites and the Canaanites dwell in the valleys, turn tomorrow and set out for the wilderness by the way of the Red Sea. And the Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron, saying, How long shall this wicked congregation grumble against me? 
I have heard the grumblings of the people of Israel, which they grumble against me. Say to them, as I live, declares the Lord, what you have said in my hearing I will do to you. Your dead bodies shall fall in this wilderness. And of all your number listed in the census from 20 years old and upward who have grumbled against me, not one shall come into the land where I swore that I would make you dwell except Caleb the son of Jephunneh and Joshua the son of Nun. But your little ones, who you said would become a prey, I will bring in, and they shall know the land that you have rejected. But as for you, your dead bodies shall fall in this wilderness, and your children shall be shepherds in the wilderness forty years, and shall suffer for your faithlessness until the last of your dead bodies lies in the wilderness." According to the number of the days in which you spied out the land, 40 days, a year for each day, you shall bear your iniquity 40 days, and you shall know my displeasure. I, the Lord, have spoken. Surely this will I do to all this wicked congregation who are gathered together against me. In this wilderness they shall come to a full end, and there they shall die. And the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land who returned and made all the congregation grumble against him by bringing a bad report about the land. The man who brought up a bad report of the land died by plague before the Lord. Of those men who went to spy out the land, only Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh remained alive. Thanks be to God for his word. Please be seated. And now I'd ask you to please turn to our main text this morning. In Joshua 14, right? We've been going through the book of Joshua, and I want us to consider the account of Caleb here in Joshua chapter 14. And we're going to work through this section under four headings, which you see there in your notes. Heading number one is Caleb's devotion. We see Caleb's devotion in verses six through eight. And again, just to remind us, we, we kind of went through this. Um, As an overview last week, the the allocation of the land, that's what's happening here. Joshua is about to allocate the portion of the land to the different tribes. And he's starting with the tribe of Judah. So the tribe of Judah is about ready to receive their inheritance. And then Caleb, who is from the tribe of Judah, he steps forward now to make a request of Joshua. But before he actually gives his request in verse 12... He refers back to this account that we just read in Numbers. Okay? So let's look at verses verses 6 through 8 and we'll see Caleb's devotion. Then the people of Judah came to Joshua at Gilgal. And Caleb the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, in Kadesh Barnea concerning you and me. (laughs) Right? It's Caleb and Joshua, right? The two old guys. He's like, remember what... What God said through Moses about us? I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought him word again as it was in my heart. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. Yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. We're going to see that phrase two more times in in this passage. But you see, Caleb refers back to that event 45 years earlier that we just read in Numbers 13 and 14. And, and again, we, we, we just read it, so you know what happens there, right? The Israelites are on the edge of the promised land. Again, think of what God has done for them at that moment. He has powerfully delivered them out of bondage in Egypt through the ten plagues and through the parting of the Red Sea. He's, he's led them through the wilderness where he's 
where they've seen his glory. They've seen the Mount Sinai with, with thunder and lightning and smoke and fire. And he's, he's entered into this covenant with them. He's given them his law. And, and he's been reiterating his promises to them that he made to their forefathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's saying, I'm going to bring you into this land, this land of Canaan, the land that I promised to to." To give to the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That's you guys. And I'm going, to, I'm going to do that. And you obey me and I will bless you in the land. So that's where they were when Moses sent out the spies. He sent the 12 men to spy out the land. But we saw, we read that 10 of the 12 came back with a bad report. Right? Their bad report was, they're saying, well, yeah, the land's good, right? I mean, it's got all this fruit and... But the people, the people are so big. The people are so numerous. They live in fortified cities. We're like little ants before them. I mean, said grasshoppers, right? But we use that expression. We're, we're like little bugs before them, right? And, and there's no way we can take this land. They're too strong. They're too mighty. But Caleb and Joshua were the only two of the 12 spies who trusted the Lord and gave a good report. They, they believed that God would keep his promises to give them the land. They believed that God would give them victory over the Canaanites. Think of what that scene would have been like, right? Twelve men, ten are giving this bad report. And, and now all the people are getting worked up, right? And they're like, oh, no, no. But Caleb and Joshua had the, had the courage, had the fortitude to say No. They, they, they were in the minority, and they stood up and, and said no, and gave a dissenting report. They tried to convince the people to move forward in faith, in faith in God, in faith in his promises, trusting that God would keep his word. They said, let us go up into the land, for God is able to give it to us. Yes, the Canaanites are, some of them are gigantic people, right? That's the, the sons of Anak, right? The, they're 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 giants. They, they seem like giants to us. But we have a giant, infinite, almighty God in heaven. That's what Caleb and Joshua said back then. But the people would not listen to them. They were persuaded by the report of the ten spies. And I don't know if you caught this as we were reading it. Not only did they not listen to them, but they actually wanted to stone them. Right? Did you notice that? They were, they were like, you know, I don't... I don't know, I guess just to get them to be quiet. They're like, they're ready to stone Caleb and Joshua. And yet they, they stood strong. And, and I want us to think about that for a second. How were Caleb and Joshua able to, to go against the crowd there? Despite all the pressure, despite the, the, the report to the contrary of what they were saying, how were they able to stand against that peer pressure and insist on believing God's word. We need to ask ourselves that because you may be in a similar situation someday. How were they able to do that? Well, Caleb tells us right here in verse 8 of our text in Joshua 14. Look again at verse 8. But my brothers who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, right? That's the 10. Yet I wholly followed the Lord my God. I love the way he says that, right? That there's, there's how he was able to, to, to give a dissenting report. There's how he was able to stand up against the pressure. Because he was wholly following the Lord his God. In other words, he was devoted to the Lord. Think about that. Think about Caleb's life 
leading up to that point there as a spy when he's 40 years old. Caleb walked with the Lord. Caleb believed God's word. He worshiped the Lord. He No doubt he meditated on his word. He knew the Lord. He knew that God was powerful. He knew that God was faithful to his promises. He knew that God had delivered Israel before. He had witnessed it. They all had, but Caleb thought about that evidently. Caleb loved the Lord, he trusted the Lord, and was committed to the Lord no matter what the cost. And so it was Caleb's devotion to the Lord that enabled him to stay true to the Lord in that moment by giving a good, faith-filled report. Caleb's devotion to the Lord enabled him to stand alone for the Lord. And he wasn't totally alone, right? He had Joshua, he had Moses and Aaron, (laughs) But think about that. Caleb's devotion to the Lord enabled him to stand alone for the Lord. Caleb's devotion to the Lord enabled him to believe the Lord's promises when others weren't believing the Lord's promises. Caleb's devotion to the Lord enabled him to walk by faith and not by sight. Caleb's devotion to the Lord enabled him to trust the Lord despite the difficult circumstances You may say, man, why are you making such a big deal about this? Well, again, let's look at it from the other direction. If Caleb had just been someone who was going through the motions, if Caleb had been someone who was partially committed to the Lord, then I think that whole scene would have played out very differently, don't you? Then he would have no doubt been thinking with the eyes of of, of sight, he would have been operating from the flesh, if I can use the New Testament terms, right? And he would have been afraid just like the other ten guys. But Caleb's walk with the Lord meant that in that moment of trial, in that moment of temptation, Caleb was able, by God's grace, to obey the Lord and do what is right. And as I was thinking about that this week, I, I was asking myself and wanting to ask you all these questions how will you be able to flee temptation how will you be able to take a stand if God calls you to do that how will you be able to do what is right in that crisis moment the answer is by seeking the Lord now by walking closely with the Lord now by being so convinced of who God is now Spiritual courage, godly fortitude, kingdom perspective and wisdom is forged in us by wholly following the Lord. It's forged in us through our devotion to the Lord, right? Because think about it, through daily following the Lord, you, through, you come to know his character, Right? As you devote yourself to pursuing God through his word, your faith in God and in his promises grows. By consistently seeking the Lord, you become committed to his kingdom. Your your devotion to abiding in Christ results in God giving you the strength when you have to stand alone to stay true to Christ. Something we will increasingly need to do as our culture moves further away from a Judeo-Christian background is stand for Christ. And in that moment of pressure, in that moment of of potential persecution, if you're not convinced of who God is, if you're not convinced of the truth of God's word, 
probably going to fold. And so what I'm praying God will work in us is that we will be devoted to the Lord now so that we were able to withstand in that day. So we've seen Caleb's devotion. Now secondly, then, as we go through the passage here in Joshua 14, we have God's promise. We have God's promise. Even though, again, looking back on that account there in Numbers, even though Israel listened to the bad report from the ten men, right? That's the congregation of Israel listened to that. And they chose not to trust the Lord to give them the land. God rewarded Caleb's faith and devotion, even back then. And and Caleb refers to that now in verse 9. Look at verse 9 here. Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden shall be an inheritance for you and your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. God... I mean, Moses, you know, he says Moses swore, but we know God was telling Moses to say that. He's saying to Caleb and to Joshua, you guys were the only two who went into the land and now who believe that my word, that I am able to give that land to you. I'm able to to deliver into your hands the, the Canaanites. And so you too, Caleb and Joshua, you're the only ones who are going to get that land. And God told them that way back then. Of the adults, you are the only ones who will set foot on that land, and it will be yours. And so that's what he's referring to now in verse 9, 45 years later. Because Caleb wholly followed the Lord, because Caleb and Joshua believed that God was able to keep his word and give Israel the land by defeating the mighty Canaanites, God rewarded their faith by declaring that Caleb and Joshua alone would enter the land. God promised through Moses that Caleb would inherit the land. Now, as we saw, Israel as a whole would be punished by wandering in the wilderness some 40 years, during which time every adult except Caleb and Joshua would die without setting foot in the promised land. And even though Caleb and Joshua were faithful and had trusted the Lord, and they too had to wander in the wilderness with the rest of the congregation... Those 40 years, but God promised that one day Caleb would inherit that land. So think about those 40 years in the wilderness, what that was like for Caleb. No doubt he's hanging on to that promise during all those years of wandering in the wilderness. Even as adult after adult are dropping and and dying in the wilderness, Caleb, I'm sure, was like, I know God has promised that I'm going to get to be in that land. He's going to preserve me. He's going to keep me alive. Caleb kept trusting God's word that one day he would enter the promised land and receive it as an inheritance. So he was clinging to that promise while he was wandering in the wilderness. And I'm sure he was clinging to that promise as as they entered into the land and are fighting all these battles that we've been studying about the the first several chapters of Joshua, right? You know, as, he, as he's in the battle of Jericho or Ai or the, the, the northern coalition or the southern coalition, I'm sure Caleb, I'm not saying, you know, he was just, you know, like, <laughs> you know, painting a bullseye on his, on his chest or something, right? But I'm, I'm just saying, I'm sure he was clinging to that promise saying, the Lord has said he will give me this land. And now, after all the wilderness wanderings, after all those battles, Here in Joshua 14, that day has come for Caleb. 
which leads us to verse 10 in our third heading, God's faithfulness. We saw Caleb's devotion and God's promise, and now we see God's faithfulness in verses 10 and 11. And now, behold, this is still Caleb talking, right? And now, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, just as he said. These 45 years since the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel walked in the wilderness. And now, behold, I am this day 85 years old. I am still as strong today as I was in the day that Moses sent me. My strength now is as my strength was then for war and for going and coming. So he's 40 years old when he was a spy. Now 45 years have passed and he's 85 years old. (laughs) And he's, he's testifying to God's faithfulness. Caleb says, 45 years ago the Lord promised that I would inherit the land and he has been faithful to keep that promise because here we are. Here we are. Through all those years of wilderness wanderings, God kept Caleb alive. Through all the battles with the Canaanites, God kept Caleb alive. And notice, it's not like Caleb is on death's door here, right? It's not like he's just barely hanging on to, to life. So people could say, well, yeah, I guess, you know, technically God did keep his promise to Caleb, you know. No. Even though Caleb's 85 years old, he's still as strong as he was 45 years ago when he was one of the spies. God has preserved Caleb's life and strength all these years to show his faithfulness to his promise. God has kept his word in a no doubt about it kind of way. And so we should look at Caleb's life and, and And yes, Caleb is an example for us, but most of all, we should look at Caleb's life and just be reminded again that God is faithful to his promises. That God does not lie. That God has the power and the integrity to keep his word. That everything God says he will do, he will do. And so now, as we approach God's word, what does that mean for us? Well, for one, if you're here and you're not a Christian, you need to know what God has said about that in his word and know that it is true that the Lord is faithful to his promises. What God says about salvation and eternity in the Bible is true. Hear God's word. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. Hear God's word later in that same chapter. Verse 36, whoever believes in the son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. What else does the Bible say about salvation? Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Acts 2, 38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Have you done that? Have you believed? Have you repented of your sins? 
Have you embraced Christ as Lord and Savior by faith? If you have, the Bible gives you some promises, doesn't it? God's word says that you will be saved from the wrath that we all deserve because of our sin. The Bible says that you will be given eternal life. God's word is true. There really is life after death. There really is eternal, there really is either one of two um, realities in the future. There is either eternal life with God in heaven or eternal punishment in hell. And again, the Bible explains that because of our sin, we all deserve hell, but God has graciously sent his son, Jesus Christ, to earth to live and die and rise again in the place of sinners. And God will do what he says in his word. Everyone who turns, forsakes their sin, forsakes of living in rebellion to God, and, in, and turns to Christ by faith, and, and embraces Jesus as Lord and Savior, believing that he died and rose again, believing that he's exalted as Lord, and, and trusting in his work for the forgiveness of your sins. Everyone who does that is saved. God will do what he says. And so if you've never turned and trusted in Christ, do that today because God's word is true. And then for believers, there's so many promises in, in, in scripture for us. I mean, including the ones I've already been reading, right? That we have eternal life. And we know that God is faithful to his promises. Romans 8.1, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's a, that's a promise that God is faithful to. That we need to remind ourselves of again and again. Psalm 103.12. As far as the east is from the west. So far does he remove our transgressions from us. Here's another promise. That God, God loves you if you're in Christ. 1 John 3 verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us. That we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. And so the Bible says that God loves you in Christ. And that Jesus has died and risen again, but he's coming back. He's coming back to gather his own. And he's coming back to, to, so that we'll all uh, be raised from the dead. We'll all be given glorified bodies. And so that is true. God is faithful. Jesus said in John 14, 3, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And so one day we'll be with the Lord Jesus forever. And it's not always going to be like this. Revelation 21.5, he who is seated on the throne said, behold, I am making all things new. And that's after he talked about there's going to be a place of no more pain, no more dying, no more sorrow, no more sin. And then he finishes up that verse and says, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. God is faithful to his promises. And so if you're in Christ today, know that you are forgiven, know that God loves you, know that Jesus is coming back for you, 
and that you're going to be with him forever. All right, we need to cling to those truths. Our hope is in Christ. It's not in the, the, the governments of this world. It's not in our own strength and ability. Our hope is in Christ, and he is building a kingdom that will last forever. So that brings us to our last heading, Caleb's confidence. Right, we've seen God's promise and God's faithfulness to that promise. And now look what happens here in verse 12. Caleb's recounted all of this, right? He's recounted what happened 45 years ago, right? And, and how God's been faithful to bring him to this point. Now, here in verse 12, he makes his request. Verse 12. So now give me this hill country of which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day how the Anakim were there with great fortified cities. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. Then Joshua blessed him and he gave Hebron to Caleb the son of Jephunneh for an inheritance. Therefore Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb the son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite to this day because he wholly followed the Lord the God of Israel. And we won't take the time, but in chapter 15, you have a little bit more to Caleb's story. You see how he is going and claiming that inheritance and, and um, his uh, daughter and, and, and the man that ends up marrying her comes along and helps with that. But here in 1412, the day has come, right? Remember, it's time for Joshua to allocate the land. So Caleb's been given this promise 45 years earlier, He's, he's clung to that promise all these years of, of wilderness and war. And now it's Caleb steps forward in faith to claim what has been promised to him. Faith in the promise of God gives Caleb the confidence to ask for his inheritance. He knows that God has promised it to him. He knows God has been faithful to preserve him to this day. And so he steps right up and he says... Give me what God has has promised. Caleb asked for the hill country of Hebron, knowing that God has promised to give it to him. And so faith in the promises of God not only gives Caleb confidence to ask for the land, but again, he still has that same confidence that he had 45 years earlier that God is going to help him drive out the Canaanites in the land. Because there's still Canaanites that remain. We talked about that last week, that just because Joshua is allocating doesn't mean that all the Canaanites have been driven out. No, it was just time to do it because Joshua was getting old. And so there's still work to be done. The same kind of gigantic men, the Anakim, who caused the ten spies to not trust in the Lord's word, those same kind of men are still dwell in this land now in their fortified cities. But just like he did back then, Caleb believes God's word. He's not trusting in his own strength or abilities. He's believing God's word. Look at verse 12 again. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall drive them out just as the Lord said. That phrase or a phrase like that is used several times in this passage where he keeps referring back to just like God said through Moses, just like Moses said, just as the Lord said. Caleb's anchor for his faith and confidence is in the word of God. Now when he says it may be, that maybe is not the voice of doubt. That, the way that phrase is used is it's signifying hope. It's signifying expectancy. 
Caleb knows that God has promised to be with him and enable him to drive out the, the Anakim, the, the Canaanites that remain, no matter what size they are. And just like he was 45 years earlier, Caleb is ready to do battle with these so-called giants because he knows that they are no match for the Lord Almighty. And like we've seen throughout Joshua, the land was promised to Israel, but they had to go forth in faith to possess the land. So here's where we get the principle, right? Remember, we're not doing physical battles like they were. We're doing spiritual battles. And our Joshua, the Lord Jesus Christ, has secured salvation for us, and he's leading us into the blessings of that salvation. So here's the principle. Confidence in God's promises cause us to move forward in faith and obedience. Confidence in God's word causes us to move forward in faith and obedience. It's kind of like, I don't know how many of you, I guess they still do this. I don't go to fancy enough shows for this to really be an issue, right? But it's kind of like when there's a, a will call booth, right? I think that's what they call it. You guys know what I'm talking about? No. Okay. Some of you do. You know, like if you're going to a show and someone has, maybe someone else, and that would be my illustration, someone else has bought you two tickets to this show. And it's, the tickets are there waiting for you. And you have confidence that they have done that. You have, they said they were going to do that. You believe that they're going to keep their word. And so it, what do you do? You go to the show. And you go to that booth, the will call booth or whatever it's called, and you say, hey, there should be two tickets for me. And you, you grab them and you enjoy the show. That's similar to how it is with our salvation. We've been saved from the wrath of God, praise God. We've been reconciled to God by the finished work of Jesus Christ, praise God. That's, that's a reality. And because of that then, there's many blessings that go along with that. Peace, joy, fruitfulness are things that that are blessings of our inheritance. They're things that God has said he will give to us because of Christ. And so we need to move forward in faith and obedience to experience the fullness of those, of that peace of that fruitfulness, of, of, of the, the blessings, of the joy. Faith in God's promises gives me confidence to follow the Lord in obedience so that I can experience the full measure of the blessings of, of my salvation. Let me give you some examples. Believing the promise of Isaiah 41.10, which says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Believing that, having confidence, having faith in God's word, in that promise, will help calm my anxious soul and help, help me draw near to God. Trusting Jesus' words in Matthew 6 that God loves me more than the sparrows and more than the lilies 
will help me to seek first his kingdom and righteousness, believing that God's going to take care of all my needs. Believing the promise of Psalm 1611 that says, in your presence there is fullness of joy. Really believing that, how would that impact your life? Well, it would motivate you to seek the Lord, right? It would motivate you to be in his presence, in his word. If that's where fullness of joy is found, why do I keep going to other things for joy? I mean, my ultimate joy, right? It's fine to enjoy some gifts from him, but our ultimate joy is found in his presence. His word tells us that. And so if I believe that, I will do that. I will move forward and I will experience that. Faith in, in Matthew 28, 20, the, great, the promise tied to the Great Commission, where the risen and exalted Lord Jesus, to whom he, he says all authority has been given, when he says, I am with you always to the end of the age. If we believe that promise, it's going to give us courage to go and make disciples. Because that's what he's talking about in that passage, right? And yes, I know there's, there's fear that comes up in, in, in saying this. And what if, it, what if the, it offends someone? And what if, you know, what if they don't want to talk about it? And what if they reject it? Jesus is with us as we go do that. Confidence in God's promise in 1 Corinthians 10, 13. That God is faithful and he will provide a way of escape from temptation Believing that promise causes me to act and to run, to flee, to look for that way of escape and to take it by God's grace and thereby experience the blessing of that victory over sin, experiencing the blessing of not having the shame of giving in to that sin, experiencing the blessing of seeing God's faithfulness and providing a way of escape. Faith that, the bless, that blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Jesus said that in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. If I believe that, that's going to cause me to, to um, believe and accept that intimacy with Christ will bring more lasting pleasure than giving into this temptation will. Again, there, there's so many examples in God's word. But those were a a few I wanted to share with you. Let's close by looking at one more passage. And I ask you to turn back to what our scripture reading was. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. And with this, I, I will bring the sermon to a close. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Caleb knew the Lord. And as we grow in our knowledge of the Lord, it will help us, it will will provide for us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Look at verse 4. By which he has granted to us his precious 
and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. The more we know God, the more we believe his promises, the more we are able to enjoy that fellowship with God and and enjoy victory over the lies of sin. And so, again, my prayer is that God will help us with that. As we think about this, as we think about the gospel, we praise God for his grace that he's shown us through Jesus Christ. We praise God for his grace in making precious promises to us. And may then our confidence in those promises empower us to move forward in faith and obedience for our joy and for his glory. Let's pray. Father, we praise you um, again for being a God who's made yourself known. Lord, we praise you for being a powerful and gracious God that you, you have sent your son, that he has powerfully delivered us from sin and death and, and even the bondage of Satan himself. And we praise you that um, in him we, we enjoy every spiritual blessing that is in Christ and that no one can snatch us out of his hand. And we praise you for all the promises that are attached to the gospel that you will never leave us or forsake us, that you, your, your, your uh, steadfast love endures forever, that Jesus is our first fruits and that one day we will be with him, that one day we will see him. And so, Lord, we praise you that one day our faith will become sight. And as we wait for his return, I pray that you will help us to, to cling to these promises and cling to, to the other promises that you give us for the battle itself. And that as we meditate on those, that you will just give us courage, that you will give us confidence, that you'll give us the the daily grace we need to walk by faith and not by sight, to stay devoted to you even when um, the world pressures us to, to compromise. Oh, Father, please allow us as a church family to, to enjoy these blessings, to enjoy that intimacy with you, to enjoy the joy and the peace that comes from, from knowing that you love us and that all our sins are forgiven. Help us to abide in you and, and may your words abide in us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, let's stand together and continue in our worship with singing another song.